You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 100. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 100. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, supermoms, and welcome to the 100th episode. I can't believe it. This is so cool and exciting. You know, I started writing a blog when I started my coaching business. So I don't know, maybe eight years of writing a blog, but there was never anyone keeping track of how many blogs I'd written. So I didn't know, and I don't have any milestones to celebrate. So having this podcast medium keep track for me and telling me that this is my 100th episode is pretty darn cool. I wish I could celebrate with you. I wish I could throw a huge party and invite you all to a celebration of the Supermoms Getting Tired podcast so I could hug you all and see you all in person and thank you so much for your questions and for telling people about this podcast and sharing with your friends and subscribing. I know we hit over 10,000 downloads, so thank you to all those who downloaded, for all those who left reviews. Like, it just means the world to me, especially during a year of social distancing when I'm getting to hang out with very few human beings. Knowing that you're there on the other end of the line really means the world to me. I'm not sure if I told you why I originally started a podcast. The reason this all came to be was because I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was one of those kind of come to Jesus, you know, moments where you're like, okay, if my life is going to come to a, a an end sooner than I thought it would, what would I like to do differently? You know, how do I want to change up my life? Because I was already feeling pretty good and pretty on mission, as they say. So I, I wasn't sure, like, what to do. And of course, the worst part of thinking about my life ending would be t- leaving my children behind, not getting to be a grandma someday and see them kind of growing into adulthood. And I just thought, if I am not here, when they become parents, I want to have a way for them to hear from me, to listen to like all the things I've learned over the years so that they don't have to make the same mistakes and to hear my stories. And this podcast really came about because I wanted to leave some parenting advice behind for my children. And uh, they are at the ages where they do not want to hear my parenting advice right now. It's totally irrelevant to them and they are not at all interested in what I have to say. So I thought, well, I'm going to create a podcast, and that way it'll be out there in the Ethernet, (laughs) in the cloud, so that someday, if I'm not around, that they can hear their mother's voice and hear any words of wisdom that I would have to share. I just thought how cool it would be. I mean, wouldn't you love this if right now you could listen to your grandmother? talk about what it was like to parent back, you know, 100 years ago or whatever, and what advice she would give for parenting. I just started thinking how cool that would be if I would love to listen to what my grandmother was, would have said about 
being a mom in those times. So this is here because of that reason. And I'm just so glad that you guys are participating in this and helping me bring this goal into being. I no longer have breast cancer, but I still have a podcast. So thank you so much for helping me make it happen. So let's talk about what we're going to do today for this 100th episode. Since I cannot throw a party and invite you all, I'd love to. It's still pandemic season over here. So instead, I created kind of a special episode that's a little different. I'm not going to answer a listener's question today, but I'm going to walk you through some of my parenting aha moments that shifted my energy and really transformed me in a significant dramatic way. The stories might not be that dramatic, but the the shift and the aha moment definitely was. So I'm going to tell you seven little stories of my personal transformations that I'm sure will resonate with you. And then I'm going to tell you, I've been taking this kind of informal survey, and I'm going to tell you the results of this survey of what grown kids say to the questions, what did your mom do well? What do you wish she had done differently? And what was the highlight of your childhood? And I'm also going to tell you why the answers to those questions really matter. And it's not about you trying to be better and criticizing your parenting, but it's a sign of something very important. So stay tuned for the end. We're going to talk about the seven levels of energy. So this is a concept that was taken. I mean, I th- I've read about it in David Hawkins' book, Power Versus Force. It was outlined in Bruce D. Schneider's book, Energy Leadership. But those were really, it's kind of more talking, that's kind of in the world of business and leadership in the world of like leading companies and corporations. So I have modified these seven levels of energy here so that it applies to motherhood and the energy of leadership in your home. And I'm going to kind of, so I'm going to go through the seven levels of energy and what aha moment or experience that I remember helped me shift from this lower level into a higher level. So the first one, first, the lowest level of energy is a victim energy. So this is where circumstances dictate my life. Like I am in a good mood if my kids are in a good mood and if they don't cooperate, then I'm in a bad mood. Like I have no power over myself. It's all dictated by the world around me. So there's a lot of guilt in this stage, which I had a lot of, (laughs) a lot of worry, which I had a lot of, Uh, a lot of just self-doubt, hopelessness, fear, which I had a lot of. Um, So you know you're in this lower level energy, victim number one, when you hear the voice in your head saying things like, I have to, I need to, I should. Moms in a victim mindset say things like, well, at least this mom did. I have to do everything around here. How come I do all the work? No one will listen to me. My kids won't let me do what I want to do. They won't let me, you know, go to the gym or my partner won't let me or my bank account won't let me do what I want to do. So it's a very powerless, lower level energy that does not feel good to be in. And 
what comes to mind as my aha moment of helping me shift out of this, because I certainly was in this a lot when the kids were young, was I had just started life coach training. And, you know, the first thing you kind of learn when you go through life coaching is you learn how to observe yourself and you start to become aware of your thoughts. And so I remember how I was like folding laundry in the laundry room and feeling exhausted and feeling really put upon, you know, like, how come I have to do all the work? I'm sure is what I was thinking. Everything falls on me. And so I was, you know, in this very depleted state mentally, folding clothes. And then I thought, oh, I should be doing the dishes. And so I left. I would like do like fold like three shirts and then I'd go to do the dishes and I'd start putting dishes in the dishwasher and I'd load like three cups. And then I'm like, oh, I should be checking my email. I have to respond to that email thing the school wanted me to do, whatever. So I go on my computer and I am doing the email thing, which of course is a rabbit hole. (laughs) This could bring you into lots of other places. And suddenly this thought hits me of like, I need to be making dinner. So I go and make dinner. And I was able to observe myself and notice how much I was in this. I should be doing this. I need to do that. I have to do that. And this total victim mindset. And so the first step of change is awareness. So suddenly I became aware and I could see how like this was keeping me from really getting anything accomplished because I would just do one thing in the laundry room and one thing in the kitchen and one thing on the computer. And it's just, I never got that sense of, of a completion and job well done and satisfaction. And so I thought, okay, I'm aware. Now what do I do? And I remembered Eckhart Tolle saying this sentence, which I had a lot of money fears and scarcity mindset around money. And so I really latched on to this one sentence he said, which was pay your bills or don't pay your bills, but don't worry about paying your bills. And I remember just kind of like jaw dropping, like what? Like that's a possibility. That's an option. You could not worry. And it was really mind blowing. So I held on to that. Well, all of a sudden, I'm thinking, what if I applied that thought to housework? Do the dishes or don't do the dishes, but don't worry about doing the dishes. And I felt the pressure leaving my shoulders and my chest. Just that this idea of it being an option that pick up the socks, don't pick up the socks, but don't worry about picking up the socks. And it was this breath of fresh air that like, I didn't have to be a victim to my circumstances, where before that I thought the the people, the children, the husband, everyone, no one's picking up their socks. It's all left to me. They will sit there for a month unless I do something about it. And I didn't have to stay in resentment that I could actually elevate my energy from victim to And the next level up or any of the other levels, it was just like this, there's an option, okay? So that's what I remember about shifting me out of victim mindset and into a higher level of energy. So level number two is anger and conflict. So anger is a higher energy than fear, worry, guilt, because there's some power in it, okay? When we shift from self-doubt and guilt into anger, hey, at least we got some energy, we got some power, 
Victim mindset is a lose-lose situation, okay? So anger and conflict is like this idea that like, maybe I can win if you lose, okay? So it's not a huge big leap, but it's marked by lots of power struggles. It definitely contains a scarcity mindset of, it's kind of like this survival of the fittest where if, you know, in the animal kingdom, like I need you to be weaker than me because if we're running away from a lion, the lion will attack you and not me and I'll be safe. And so it's kind of like I want other people to lose so that I have a chance of not losing, okay? So there's not enough, it's a scarcity mindset where there's not enough time, there's not enough uh, approval, not enough support and help, there's not enough money, there's not enough love, attention to go around, that it's just this power struggle of like, I need you to lose so that I can win. And so moms at level two get angry and annoyed with their children. They get annoyed with other moms on social media. Like if when you see somebody else thriving or posting something they're proud of and you get annoyed, that's level two energy, anger and conflict. You, we get angry at ourselves for not doing enough. We get angry at others for doing better than us. Okay. So it's marked by resentment, greed, pride and blame, lots of blaming of others. So in this stage, we feel like we have to prove ourselves worthy, that I'm not good enough to just do what I want to do when I want to do it, that I have to earn it through hard work, self-sacrifice. And then very often it's we're waiting for some sort of external approval, external reward or validation. So for me, I can remember being in this state where I was just exhausted, just working hard all day. The only time I would ever kind of allow myself permission to rest was at the end of the day. And so because of that, I very often I would stay up extra late at night and almost like sacrificing my own sleep because I so needed just time by myself to chill out because it was the only time I didn't have this voice in my head telling me, you're not doing enough, you need to be working harder. I remember this one day, my mother-in-law was in my house and she made this just offhand comment of, I've never seen anyone work as hard as you. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I don't work hard enough. Because I had been telling myself for so many years, I'm not doing enough. I'm not working hard enough. I should be doing more. I should be able to get more done. And that was the same voice I message I got from my mom was like, you need to be working harder. You're not doing enough. When she said, I've never seen anyone work as hard as you. You're always working. You're the most productive person I've ever seen. It was like, what? It was like she was speaking a different language. But it gave me pause. And I started to observe, again, self-awareness, and started counting. I started thinking like, okay, I've been up since 7 a.m. I haven't stopped or like indulged or really rested like with permission. You know, I may have snuck it in here and there for 16 hours. Like, is it possible that like after 16 hours of straight labor that maybe I deserve a break? Maybe I can earn it <laughs> through hard work, through time. There was something about doing math in my head that helped me shift from level two, anger and conflict 
up to the next level, level three, which is rationalization. And so when I started to do math and think, okay, like, you know, it's like 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Is that not enough to earn some sort of reward? (laughs) So level three, which is where this thought took me, is this justification, this rationalization of like, you know what? I deserve a break. I've been working, you know, 12 hour shift. Like if you, this was a normal job and I worked eight hours, I would at least get a 30 minute break or a lunch hour. I would get a sick day. And I started to treat myself more like an employee and who was deserving of time off. And this was brand new for me. (laughs) But so level three is this explaining, justifying, taking responsibility right? Like I wasn't, I was no longer blaming and waiting for somebody else to give me a break and somebody else to grant me a weekend off or a day off. I took that responsibility on myself. So level three feels much better. You're in your intellect, you know, you have some power and it's also marks this idea of like being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. So very often this comes like with our kids where we can understand their personality type is different than ours, where instead of us being a victim and they should be different than they are and they should just obey me, instead we can kind of look at them rationally and say, well, I can see that my child has a strong will, likes to listen to his own creative ideas rather than the teachers at school. And we can kind of understand their personality, accept their behavior, There's forgiveness and cooperation at this level. So this level tends to focus on problem solving and hurrying through the to-do list. So I get moms coming to these calls and if they're worshiping the to-do list, like I just need to get more done. If I could just get more done in a day, then I could rest, then I could relax. So they're still kind of trying to earn their relaxation, but there's this level of personal responsibility. Like I'll allow myself to relax if I get through my to-do list. So when you hear somebody talking with using lots of words, intellectualizing, explaining, justifying their behavior, you know they're in level three. Level three is kind of intellectualizing, but little emotions, little intuition, and very little listening to spirit. It's kind of this idea of like, you know, I'm winning. Like I've got responsibility and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to arrange my calendar and my to-do list so that I'm winning. So it's a very kind of intellectual process that is devoid of emotions. And sometimes we can allow our children to oh, act in a way that's misaligned with our values because we can justify and rationalize this. You know, I can you know, remember being this state with like with my daughter, I was in definitely in victim mode when she was four. And like, I just don't understand why she won't listen to me. And why doesn't she do what I say? And, and once I recognized it was her personality, and I could allow her to have this rebellious personality, then it brought me a lot of peace. It didn't exactly help me set clear, firm boundaries. 
but it did bring me much more peace. So what I remember about how, what, when I shifted out of rationalization and level three was when I was at a workshop for the life coach school. I don't know what year it was, 2015. No, maybe early 2014. It was a long time ago. And Every time I'd go to these, she had these annual masterminds. And every time I would go, she would introduce my teacher, my coach for Castillo would introduce the master coach training. She's like, okay, at the end of the, the mastermind, she'd say, I'm offering this master coach training. And every year I was like, oh my God, I'm way too overwhelmed. Like I can't even think about it. My head is spinning. Oh, I was too crazy. <laughs> and so this one year at the workshop, she had brought in this guest speaker and the guest speaker had us do this project of like where you are today. And you had to draw these pictures and it was all like crazy, muddle-headed, overwhelmed. You know, it was lots of chaos. And where do you want to be? And I had to draw a picture with like little chaos and clarity and peace. And then she said, now draw three bold steps. What are three bold steps that you can take, real world action steps towards achieving that goal? And I came up with this idea of a working weekend. I couldn't quite justify just going on vacation by myself (laughs) in a hotel room, but I loved the idea of checking into a hotel room for the purpose of focusing on work where there was removing distractions, no kids around, no chores, no school, you know, involvement, no other work. I was I was always like working in a school and trying to work on my life coaching business. And I thought I need a working weekend where I can just focus on my business. And so this was a big shift for me out of level three rationalization, lots of urgency, hurrying and talking and problem solving and into the next level. Well, maybe a couple of levels higher. We'll see of like this idea that a rising tide lifts all ships. When I can take care of myself, my family benefits, it was kind of this glimpse towards level six. So level three rationalization is this kind of, I would just like, I was so focused on my to-dos, my calendar, how am I getting it all done? How am I getting it all done? Always trying to figure it out. And I remember Obama was in office at the time. And I remember thinking like, he's got a way busier schedule than I do. And like his to-dos are way more dire. Like there must be a way to have a busy full life and not feel chaotic because he didn't seem very chaotic. He seemed, he wasn't flustered, you know? And so just this idea that there was another way and maybe this weekend by myself in a hotel room was going to give it to me. That was my big aha. Okay, moving on to the next level, level four. This is the heart-centered level, being of service, where you come from love, compassion, gratitude. This for moms is kind of what we you know, aspire to when we're stuck in, in aggravation and yelling at our kids and victims like, oh, this is where the mom's like, I just want to be present. I want to be able to play with my kids. I want to be able to, you know, just be grateful for what I have. So this is where a lot of moms come into life coaching, trying to get to level four. And level four is marked with this idea of like, how can I help you win? That I want to help you. It's being a service. It feels so much better than the lower levels. 
but a warning. It's easy for moms to get stuck here because society approves of moms staying in level four, always being of service, putting your kids' needs before your own, you know, self-sacrificing for the children, always being loving and kind and supportive, but kind of self-ignoring. So if you spend too much time in level four, it's going to bop you back down to level two, anger and resentment. Because there's a difference between love, generosity, kindness, and self-sacrifice and martyrdom. If you start slipping into anger or victimhood or blame, martyrdom is I will die on the sword before I'll let my children suffer a negative emotion. If you get stuck there, it is time to elevate your energy. So for my little story, my aha moment was for this one was how I lifted up out of level four. Well, actually, I'll first tell you how I got into level four, because level four was pretty easy for me. It was my default, I'd say, with my children. But I remember doing it with my husband. And this was a big shift for me, because before this point, I was always in, I would say, level three rationalization you're a dad, you're the man of the house. (laughs) These are the things you should be doing. You're supposed to be doing. I thought that I could through nagging and, uh, I don't know, upholding some expectations. I thought I could turn him into my dad. I realized that I had this very clear expectation of what the man of the house was supposed to do. And growing up, my dad always, he was very responsible. He always did the yard work. He always paid the bills. He managed all the money. He worked, did chores every weekend. I mean, he was a reliable dude. And of course, I did not marry my dad. (laughs) I married somebody quite the opposite. But I somehow still thought that like, you know, you should lock the doors in the house before you go to bed at night. Like that should be your job. That's because that's what was my dad's job. You shouldn't just, you know, fall into bed with all the lights on in the house. You should turn all the lights off. And I just, all these little things that I had these expectations of. I remember the day I was, it was a beautiful day and I wanted to be outside and it was a weekend. And so I'm looking for reasons to be in the backyard. And I'm like, I'm going to prune the roses. And my husband comes out and he's like, And I'd already decided, like, I was going to be in level four with my husband. I was going to be of service. I was going to try and say, how can I help you win? How can I elevate his energy? And this was my, like, intention of the day. I was really going to see, like, how this would pan out. It was almost like a science experiment. (laughs) So maybe it was level three because I was doing a science experiment to see, like, will this yield me a different result? Will this yield me a more helpful husband? Will it come back to me? And so... I was just loving, compassionate. He's like, hey, honey, you know, how do you feel if I maybe went golfing today with CJ? Would that be okay? I'm like, sure. Yeah, whatever you want. Sounds like fun. And normally I would have been like, well, what are you going to do for me? You know, if I let you go, when am I going to get my reciprocation? You know, I'm just going to stay here home with the kids all day like I do Monday through Friday. You know, I was in the past, I was much more in this conflict power struggle, you know, if you win, I lose. And I was shifting up to how can I help you win? And he's just like, 
It was so fascinating and empowering to know that I could do that, that I could be in this open-hearted place with him. And he calls me, you know, after the at the 19th hole, it's okay if I stay and get a beer. I'm like, oh, sure, yeah, do whatever you want. I'm good. And of course, he didn't trust it because I was really shifting from how I normally operate with him. And, you know, sure enough, he comes home and he like totally cleans the kitchen for me. And it was a... Uh, an aha moment for sure that this was available to me, that I could shift into level four and that it would um, pay off. So now let's talk about level five, reconciliation. This level is where peace comes in. It's like love, freedom, and peace. That you're letting go of judgment, letting go of the idea that there's a good and a bad and a right and a wrong. And so, you know, a lot of times we think that there's good experiences and bad experiences, and there's, you know, good emotions and bad emotions. And there's a right way to be as a mother and a wrong way to be. When you can get to level five of reconciliation, everything is an opportunity for growth. You let go of your own self-judgment of like, oh, I should be better than I am. I'm not good enough. You know, a good mom wouldn't yell at her kid. Instead, you shift into this open-minded, very curious state that's all about growth and an empowerment for everyone. So it's this idea of like, we all win. How can we all win in this situation? So it this level five, reconciliation, helps you look at the bigger picture. This idea that a rising tide lifts all ships. That we can accept differences. You have different interests, different motivations, a different personality, a different skill set. Like even with your children, you can see that some, you know, are more detail oriented. Some kids are more physically active. Some are better at strategizing, even young, young kids, right? So you can like, okay, we all have something to bring to this household. How can we co-create for the higher good? How can we utilize each of our uh, unique skill sets to create a house that we want to live in. And so it's marked, instead of like, what's wrong with me? It's the huge shift to what's right about me. How can we build something better together using all of our strengths? So for me, when I remember this shift was when my son was in middle school and he was, we didn't know it at the time, but he had had a traumatic brain injury and he never hit his head. So he didn't know. He just like got a like shaken baby kind of syndrome, pulled his neck at one of those indoor trampoline parks. And all we knew was that all of a sudden, you know, he had all the signs of a concussion. So it's embarrassing to say what they were, but it's like, we didn't know. He had, you know, chronic headache, chronic fatigue. Uh, he developed adrenal fatigue. He started having food sensitivities, you know, like skin problems, like um, just really like heightened anxiety, sensitivity to lights and sounds, just all this crappy stuff that was like this weird mystery. Okay. And so, you know, we took him to the pediatrician and they're like, oh, we can't find anything wrong with him. Of course, they didn't ask if he hit his head or, you know, <laughs> whatever. So I went through like six months of like, even longer, maybe nine months of no diagnosis. And, but just things just getting worse and worse, anxiety, depression, just like, you know, stomach issues, just a whole systemic 
<laughs> breakdown, we'll call it. So I was super stressed during this time. I felt very like alone, like I was the only one trying to help him. Nobody else was helping me. Very, I would bounce to level one victim very easily, very stressed and lonely and confused and just like, yeah, lots of level one. <laughs> what helped me shift into this level five of everything is an opportunity for growth was this one day, I don't even know like what triggered it or what sparked it, but I was probably like out walking the dog or something. And all of a sudden it just hit me that like, what if there's a purpose? What if he's meant to use this for some sort of higher good? You know, when he was younger, he talked about like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor when I grow up. Like maybe he's meant to be a doctor, some sort of healer. Maybe that this is happening so that he can heal himself and then figure out ways to heal others. You know, maybe he'd always talked about being, he'd mentioned being a writer. Maybe he has a book to write and he needs to use this. Maybe. And then this, after this, this is what hit me. And it was like lightning. It was like, what if this is all for me? What if I'm meant to experience a total breakdown of your child so that I can go through all the stages and learn how to be the best mom I can be so that I can help others. Like, what if this is for me to learn how to help other moms whose kids are struggling? Because up to that point, I had been obsessed. I was reading like every book on puberty, thinking this was like adolescent issues, you know, and just like what's normal, what's not normal. And then as his symptoms kind of changed and evolved, like how do I help him and what? And I just was reading every book I could get my hands on. I was like, what if this is all for me so that I could help other people? And it was just this crazy emotion that came over me. <laughs> and it was... um definitely an energy shift and lift. And it helped me glide the remainder of the time until things, you know, slowly, gradually improved. It gave me, it was like a lighthouse in the dark. Moving on to level six, joy and connection to all things. That everything has purpose and value. That even like my son's traumatic brain injury and him being like, in a bad place, physically, mentally, emotionally, he was in a very dark place, that there could be joy and connection in that, right? Like what? <laughs> That's level six, where you feel very connected to source energy, to God, to spirit, to all people, to the collective consciousness, whatever words you want to use, you are connected. You are very intuitive at this stage. You're very tapped into your intuition that there's a perfection in all things. There are no negative experiences, just curiosity. So if someone, you know, rear-ends you in the car, you're like, I wonder how I created this experience. You know, when your kid, I don't know, does something annoying, <laughs> stupid, I wonder how, what, what's the purpose in this? How is this manifesting for my kind of greatest learning, growth, success, joy, love? It's this abundant wealth 
abundant success, abundant joy for everybody. It's not like that I win or we win. It's that we are all always winning no matter what happens. Like the pandemic wasn't bad, that the pandemic was here for our greatest good, for all of us. It's this synthesis that everything is perfect. There's nothing to fix. Nobody ever loses. So (laughs) as we're getting into level six and, and level seven, I have very few experiences with these levels, but I'll tell you one that gave me a, a glimpse into it is when my daughter was little and I was rationalizing her behavior, putting myself in her shoes, understanding her, but still feeling exhausted and depleted and like not knowing how to parent, what to say, like how to get her to do what she needed to do. Like where was the, the there was a, some peace, but there wasn't a lot of like positive action. And I still felt like I was kind of um, not in alignment with my values as a mom. And there was this day where, I don't know if you guys ever do this, maybe it's just me, but my husband was sitting on the couch or something. And I just came in the room, kneeled down in front of him, put my head in his lap. Like every once in a while, I would just like collapse onto him. Just like, I'm tired of holding up the world. I just need to be the kid for a change. And so I would just like lower myself, lay my head in his lap and just like exhaustion. Like I just, I don't know what to do. I can't figure her out. I don't know what's the right thing to, you know, how to parent, how to hold boundaries. What to, and I just plopped my head in his lap and he pets my hair and he says, honey, you cannot expect to be a parenting coach and only have easy children. <laughs> and it was like so wise and such the perfect thing for me in that moment to hear of like, there is nothing to fix here. This is not a problem. It's all supposed to be this way. And I started to identify myself as a perfectly imperfect mother, that there was perfection in the imperfections of myself, of my children, that it's always supposed to be imperfect and there's, it's perfect. So that's my glimpse into level six of joy and connection to all things that we're all always winning. Everything is as it's supposed to be. And it's hard to go there when things happen that we would label as bad or tragic or frustrating or whatever. But this is a level six that we can kind of dip into once in a while, okay? So level seven is oneness, total zen equal passion for all things, and yet a total like non-attachment to it. So there's no judgment at all. It's just winning and losing are illusions. (laughs) So there's neither of them exist. So if life is a game of chess, you're watching the players move in and out, but you are the chess board. You are level seven. Just, I love the game of chess. I don't really, but if I'm the chessboard, this is a wonderful game. I'm very passionate about the game that I can create and play and observe all at the same time without any fear. 
Level seven is fearlessness. I can look at Byron Katie and Eckhart Tolle and see that they are much more connected to this level seven than I am. This is a difficult energy to parent from because it's so disconnected from those of us still on the earthly plane. But I've gotten glimpses. I don't think I've gotten much in level seven. But I got a glimpse when I remember I was going in for breast cancer surgery. They were going to do a lumpectomy. And I'm sitting in the waiting room and I am blissful. And I don't know why. I was passionate. I remember trying to explain it to my husband. I'm like, I just feel like I'm on mission. (laughs) I just feel so alive. Like my life, the, the month, two months I had cancer. It didn't last very long. It was like April and May. I had my daughter graduating eighth grade, my son graduating high school. They both had volleyball, end of year banquets and all that, like end of year festivities and parties and just like so much busyness. And yet I was not busy at all inside my head. I was so clear and I felt amazing. I had so much energy and I go into surgery and the anesthesiologist comes to like talk to me before he puts me out. And I... I, this thought came in my head, I love you. And I didn't say it, thank goodness. (laughs) But I was just like, I love all the people. So I can't explain it. I can't recreate it. But it lasted me throughout my radiation treatment where this whole crazy busy month, probably the busiest month of my life where I'm going into radiation every day. And it was the best experience I've ever had. And I know it sounds crazy, but I did get another glimpse of it when I was in Costa Rica for the first time. I don't know, maybe every time. I'll give you this story. Uh, We were at this like, you know, wild animal preserve, right? Where they take injured animals and they kind of rehabilitate them, but it's also kind of a zoo, you know, situation where you can go. And so we're talking to the Zuki, actually, no, I wasn't talking to him. I, we're looking at all the big cats, and there was a man there from Houston, Texas, and he was talking to this the Ticos, the people that live there are just so peaceful. And so, I mean, they feel Zen to me. I don't know if they are, but when you hang out with them enough, you start to vibrate at that energy of like oneness and Zen. I, I don't know what's going on inside their heads, but they certainly exude that energy to me which is one of the reasons I love it so much. And of course, there's nature everywhere, which is always in oneness, right? Always in balance and harmony. So this Tico zookeeper is answering the questions from this Texan, and he's asking about the puma. And he says, so, you know, what do you do if a puma attacks you in the wild? And this Tico zookeeper says, you die. And the Texans like, no, 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 no. I mean, like, like, do you like fight back? Do you like play dead? Do you punch it in the nose or whatever? And, and Tico looks at him. He's like, if a puma attacks you in the wild, you die. And he's like, well, yeah, yeah, I understand that. But like, you know, could I like, you know, fight back? Should I jump on his back? Do I punch him in the eye? <laughs> like, these guys, if you're in the wild and a puma attacks you, like it will fight you until you die. Like, it will never give up or surrender. Like, he was trying to explain it to this American. And it was just the funniest conversation to see the the two cultures. And so, to me, 
in Costa Rica, I see in the in the faces of the Ticos, in the nature and the harmony with which they exist in nature, that I start to slip into this oneness, equal passion for all things, and yet total non-attachment. Like, if I die, I die. You know, and it's just, there's, it feels like it's this total projection that nobody worries there. You don't see people worrying. And so for me, that's just medicine for my soul. So those are the seven levels of energy through which you can bounce back and forth in the course of a day. It's not like you're going to be existing at one all the time, at least, you know, I'm not. (laughs) In fact, yesterday, while I had this in my head, I was aware I went to my daughter's last volleyball game and she had a, a very disappointing season. I got to see her play one time. You know, they had a very short number, it was reduced season to like one week. And this was my last opportunity to see her play. So I saw her, you know, it was once in 2019, <laughs> it was the last time. And then I got to see her once and I thought, I'm going to try to go again. Last game of the season. And it was seniors versus juniors. And so I go in the gym, I'm sitting down, she's playing the whole time. I know because it's just seniors versus juniors. So it's not even an official game. And I'm all excited to get to see her play. And as soon as I take out my camera to take video, she gets injured. And my first thought is divine timing. Oh my gosh, I must be so aligned with the universe, <laughs> right? Like this level six, join connection to all things of like, oh, she got injured right as I walked in. She didn't even know I was coming. I'm here at the right time in the right place. Like it's synthesis, it's all perfect. Well, then I'm watching her teammates dragging her off the court and she's sitting there when they get ice for her knee. I'm thinking, okay, this isn't a a big enough injury where she's going to want her mom. This is just a big enough injury where I don't get to watch her play. That again, yet again, there's another disappointment that now she's just out for the rest of the game. So I go straight back down to like level one victim. This has been such a sucky year and so disappointing and wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and then after the game ends, the coaches and the girls, they, they give, they have like a little um, end of season kind of like an award ceremony. And they hand out the awards and the coach just starts crying about how amazing the girls were and how they all came together and how it was so moving and touching and beautiful. And one girl gets up and says in her four years, like this has been her best season ever where they only got to play six games in the course of eight days. And, you know, where they got to practice a little bit more, but she's like, this was the best because there was no petty drama and everybody just came together for the greater good. And so it was just this shifting back and forth between all these different energies in one hour after, you know, one hour long in the afternoon. The energies are available to us. And then when we can have awareness of it and you can kind of see it, then you can lift yourself up. You can deliberately create and elevate so that you can be at the energy you want to be in and not have to let of life dictate it for you, but that you are available to elevate your energies. And as you do, when you elevate your energies, your kids will also. 
I really believe that parents can take the lead on this. And if your kids are stuck in, you know, rationalization, like, it's not fair, she got to do this, and I never got to do this, and they're arguing, arguing, or they're stuck in victim mode, nobody will ever let me, how come? That as you raise your energies, that they will also. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you the results of my survey and why they are important. So I asked people, what did your mom do well? What did you do you wish she had done differently? And what was the highlight of your childhood? So lots of people answered things like, what did your mom do well? Well, she was very kind and loving. She was an excellent nurturer. She trusted me um, that there was a stable and predictable uh, home with little drama, that there was, you know, rules and structure that seemed fair. Uh, I always knew that she loved me. She taught me to pay attention to feelings, mine and others. She taught me to pay attention to the things that I love. She gave me lots of independence. When I asked the question, what do you wish you had done, she had done differently? It's very interesting. There's what people say. I wish she had taken more time to herself to relax. She was always stressed. I wish she had been uh, less urgent and more fun and more playful. I wish she had pushed me more. I wish she had pushed me less. I wish she was more tuned into me as a teenager. I wish she had backed off and trusted me more as a teenager. I wish she had been more involved. I wish she had been less involved. I wish she had provided more structure. I wish she hadn't been so rigid. So can you see (laughs) that the thing in which somebody says that I wish it was different, that my mom had been done differently, has more to do with the kid than it does the mom. So let me give you my example. Before I became, probably after going to therapy, (laughs) before I became a mom, no, actually it was before I went to therapy, um, I remember thinking that my mom did a good job. She was very fair and just and, you know, stable and predictable. But I didn't feel like she tuned into us as individuals. I felt like she, you know, she was a teacher and she kind of like, these are the rules that you must follow. And there wasn't a lot of nuance. And so I thought, well, when I have my kids, I'll copy the same good things that she did. But I'm going to tune in to the individual needs of my children. And so... <laughs> I did. And now, of course, what what are my kids saying that they wish I would do differently? To stop tuning in to them so much, to ignore them more, to <laughs> trust them, to, you know, let them go, be more independent, not pay so much attention to them. So I can guarantee you that my kids are not saying that they wish that their mom would tune into them more. But what I think it's indicative of is when I'm saying I want to tune in to, I wanted my mom to tune into my individual needs, is what I really wanted was I wanted to tune into my own individual needs. I wanted to know myself more, to understand myself more, because I kind of really didn't. But this desire, this yearning to understand myself and other people and emotions and you know, what moves us to take action, what motivates us, this fascination that I had is what drove me to go into the profession that I love and create this business of life coaching of helping other moms understand their kids and understand themselves. And so if my mom had done that, 
if she had met my individual needs and taught me about emotions and been really emotionally tuned in and available, then I would not have gone into this profession. I would have assumed everybody gets this and I wouldn't have known that there was a need, that there's perfection in the imperfection, that when we parent imperfectly, it ends up being perfect. You know, my best friend, who you've heard on the podcast before talking about vaping and marijuana, you know, she wishes that her mom had been more tuned into her as a teenager, that she needed more structure, more rules and values when she was going through adolescence. But she used this drive to make her an excellent bridge between kids and or teenagers and their parents to help these teenagers understand the risks of vaping, the risks of marijuana, the, you know, like to understand all of the unspoken things she, the, the information she wished she had gotten as a teen and she is now delivering to teens as an adult. And so there's perfection, even in the imperfection. Another example of this perfection in the imperfection is with when I asked this question of my son, what do you wish mom had done differently? And he said he wished that I would have provided more structure and rules around money and chores. <laughs> and I was like, really? And of course, my daughter's laughing at that. She's like, absolutely not. I want less structure and rules. I want to be left alone. And so he wished that I had given him more. And But that's just indicative of where he is in life right now. He's living on his own. He doesn't have a lot of structure and discipline around chores and money. And he feels like he wants some rules and guidelines to follow. And we've also talked about him kind of going into some sort of managerial training program because he loves rules so much and he's he likes to uphold rules. And this is a skill set that he has. And I think he, he's so fair with people. I think he'd make a really good manager. And so there's just always perfection in the imperfection. The next question I asked was, what was the highlight of your childhood? Now, I want you guys to think about yours. When you think back onto your childhood, what stands out in your mind? Or really, I like to say, what is the picture that comes to your mind? Don't think about it. Just kind of close your eyes and think, what was the best part of my childhood? And you're going to see an image in your head. And what I've noticed from all the people that I've asked this question of, is there's a theme that almost everyone I've asked, the first thing they think of is some sort of picture of being outside in nature, moving your body with unstructured time in a kid-led activity that nobody has said anything that with structure, it's always the unstructured time when you're out there running around in nature with peers but no adults present adults are nowhere to be found (laughs) that those are the best memories that most of us have as people start to think more and more about it they might come up with like oh I really enjoyed you know my imagination play alone in my room or I really enjoyed um, going to you know new experiences, novel experiences. Like my brother, who's at, 
you know, avid traveler and just has traveled the world, now lives in Australia. You know, I asked him this and he said, first thought was outside. The second thought was going to national parks, going to Yosemite, going to Disneyland, going to, you know, see things he'd never seen before, Golden Gate Park, the beach, all this stuff. So that to me, it's like, well, yeah, that's what his passion is, right? That's what he loves. For me, what came to mind was like playing in the street with my friends, playing games like sardines in a can or ghosts in the graveyard or hide and seek and kick the can and all these things. And when I realized that that was like my best memory ever, that's actually how I I created a girls leadership camp because of that. Because I was like, God, I really love playing games outside with other girls especially who are between the ages of 12 to 14. So I had this girls leadership camp that was for girls ages 12 to 14 because I enjoyed that as a kid. And guess what? I still enjoy it as an adult. So when you answer this question of what is the highlight of your childhood, notice if there's a message in there for you, like what that, something that you could bring more of into your life right now. And maybe for your kids, bring in more outside, moving in nature, unstructured time. You know, COVID certainly has given us lots of unstructured time, but I always think of like like an old-fashioned play day where invite people over, invite kids over, and just let them go play in the street while you mamas just sit around and play poker or whatever they used to do in the old days. <laughs> Drink whiskey sours. I don't know. <laughs> Smoke cigarettes. No, but like trying to find opportunities for the kids to have unstructured, unsupervised time outside in nature so that you can give them these significant, meaningful experiences that were the highlight of your childhood and also try to find ways to bring what you loved, whether it was imagination time, playing games outside or traveling and seeing new places get out of that bunker mentality and go out there and live your best life. And there is perfection in imperfection. So no worries about parenting perfectly today. Thank you guys so much for listening to this very long, special 100th episode of the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I will love you and leave you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.